0: All right, so tonight we've got a particularly powerful passage of scripture that I'd like us to look at. And the way that we're going to roll is that our four contestants here are going (laughs) to. All right, our four panel members. All right, bring it in. That's enough fun for the night. Our four um, panel members are going to bring to light the word. Behind the words um, and what we 're going to be looking at is we 're going to look at the, the overarching purpose of why God gave the gifts to the church so we've looked at um, we've looked at love we've looked at identity we 've looked at the heartbeat that we need in order to minister in these gifts and tonight we 're looking at at, at the why. Why did God give the church gifts? Um, and our four panel members are going to be unpacking that. We're going to stop probably at a couple of times for for questions. So if something sparks in you um, as part of this discussion and, w- and what we're looking at, Jot down a question um, And we like to make a space for for questions tonight Um, And we're also going to aim to have uh, time at the end For a good solid discussion amongst your tables um, And and between yourselves So this is a full participation event Um, If you didn't know that before you walked in You do now (laughs) Um, And so be engaged Lean in um, Listen um, Receive um, And and be part of this with us Um, That's what the whole point of these nights are Is that cool? Cool. All right, so if you've got a Bible, um, you can open up to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. And I'll just read this out to us. All right, 14 verse 1. Pursue love, uh, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more, that you would prophesy, And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. Powerful passage of Scripture, hey? So we have here Paul laying a foundation. Pursue love, he says, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. And I feel like in this first sentence, once again, Paul is laying a foundation for the value of gifts, but also the ultimate purpose that God is looking to achieve um, through those gifts. So the first question that I have for our panel members is is around around verse one. Why would Paul say pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts? And why does he not say pursue spiritual gifts and earnestly desire love? Any takers?
1: <laughs> Noël, you're being lined up, mate. <laughs> okay, now, if, if I think we would best maybe if we look at the chapter before it. There's the whole the chapter before it talks about love in general, right. and Paul unpacks love, God's love, you know, the the love that is spiritual, the love that is very different from the love that we know. And he he spends that whole chapter speaking of love and what love looks like you know what you know and and at the very end of that he says love is the greatest of faith hope and, and, and with, with of the three and so it just follows because love is the greatest then pursue love you know um, hold on to it you no know, run after it you know um, this love that you have experienced that you have um, come to know, and so let that be the main you know the main point, you know the the, 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 the goal of your life, you know, uh, everything should hinge on that, but um, and then once you do that, then you know um, then you you talk about the expressions of love and that's where the spiritual gifts come from come out. Um, so it's it's not pursuing spiritual gift, but pursuing love as the first place priority. Pursuing God, um, I'm I'm reminded of you know the same thing when Jesus said, you know, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all of these things to be added to you. You know, seek first love, seek first me, seek first the Lord, and your gifts. You know, these gifts, your identity, everything will just come from from that.
0: Cool. Any, any thoughts, Greg, on the, on the why behind love?
1: Yeah,
2: I think we all need to know what the purpose is. So what sits behind love? And what is God looking for? Because the answer to the question lies behind what is God looking for? And it's found in love. And so I think I said this this morning, we need to understand the context to the scriptures because there is a already finished reality that God is looking for and the context for that reality is in the scriptures so if God is love and all things are contained in God then we need to pursue God love so we actually know why we would be pursuing love so what is the father looking for that's why we need to pursue love so he is looking for her And so, because he's looking for her, we must pursue love, which is him, and fall in love with him, because the gifts are all defined by that reality. So to separate the gifts from actually becoming the bride is to not know the purpose of love or the gifts. They are interlinked. They are interconnected. So you want to pursue love God, because only in God can you find out God's plan and purpose for the church. If you don't know the purpose and the plan for God's church, you won't understand any of the gifts. And like we've looked at, you'll build your own life on a gift instead of actually laying your life down to see the greatest gift, the bride of Christ, formed and built.
0: And God has an eternal purpose that he has had in his heart and his mind from before the world was even created, and I think in in my mind, you know, that means pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. It's a it's a love relationship with our Father that's the thing that produces in us this kind of transformation into what what Greg was talking about, which is which is being his bride, being a mature um, people who know Him and have become like Him. Who are fit and prepared For the eternal purpose that he has for us So um, To me, to to separate the gifts of the spirit from the eternal purpose of God would be a, a massive disservice to, to everyone um, And Moses says make sure uh, um, make sure that you build according to the pattern that was given on the mountain you know and and the pattern that um, that the, the ultimate pattern wasn't actually about building buildings or building a ministry it was about building people um, into Um, into this pure, spotless, blameless bride that would be with him um, forever. So it's it's a massive promise, hey?
2: Which is why he gives us covenant, isn't it? So it's a marriage covenant that Christ makes with his church to never break it. So a covenant was never to be broken, and it was instigated through blood. And we looked at that last year, so when you understand the context for the scriptures as a marriage covenant, this is why we must pursue love, because he's looking, going, do you love me with all your heart? So then I give you a great commandment to show you what I'm looking for. It says in 1 Corinthians 8.3 that God knows those that love him. So God knows who loves him, who says they love him, who think they love him but he actually knows those that actually love him and this is the opportunity we have to fall in love the entire context is a love story between the creator and the creation but if you take your eyes off the creation the creator being the creation you'll get in trouble and your eyes will go onto yourself and so you'll come up with your own plan And we've been talking about this. The plans that I have for you, says the Lord. And you'll think those are individual plans, but that is out of context to the scripture. He was talking to a nation when he said that, not individuals. And it's the same plan that God has had in his heart from the beginning of time, whether you're Jew, Gentile, male, female, whatever. He's looking for a people that love him with all of her heart, soul, mind, strength love your neighbour as yourself so when you know that's his greatest priority that's why you'd want to pursue love because what you find in love is the answers that we're all asking
0: I find it interesting the language that's used here so it says pursue love yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts I think it's interesting that one is incredibly active, and one is slightly more passive. Hey, that, and I think you know, pursue is is an incredibly active word, and it means to to lay hold of. You know, to to be proactive. To um, it, whereas when it says desire earnestly, spiritual gifts, it's not it's not an apathetic place. Um, but it's knowing that, actually, that the word um, to desire earnestly it actually means to be jealous for, you know? Um, and so it's it's not saying that you're not interested in spiritual gifts, that you don't want them, that you don't desire them. It's just that in light of your pursuit of the ultimate purpose and ultimate aim of God, this thing takes a back seat in a second place, knowing that it will start to flow in its rightful order once you get your you know your, your priorities of your life are in line. Number one, which is love. Number two, which is desire to to minister and be part of a body and to invest and to, um, you know, add value to one another. So it's it's not a this is good, this is bad. It's just that this is one and this is and this is two, uh, which I think is is so important, Tim. Eh? I think um, we
3: can't glibly go over we understand what pursue love is until we have a real revelation of what is our reason for being on planet earth you know seriously it doesn't mean just pursue to be more loving it doesn't mean just to pursue God out there somewhere it's the, the reality of why am I here why are we here? What is the, the reason that the world exists? And what is the reason that human beings have been put on planet Earth? When we have a revelation that God has predestined and before even he made the Earth, he saw us, he knew us, he called us, he chose us. To be pure and holy, a blameless and spotless bride for Jesus, his son. Then it puts everything into this perspective that that he has declared the end from the beginning. And we come into his plan and what he has spoken. And so everything that he has always seen, we now Wow, this is why I'm here. This is the whole reason for being on earth. And so the pursuit of love is the pursuit of who he is and, and the, the, the saying yes and amen to this plan and saying, yes, you have called me. Yes, you have chosen me. Yes, that is who I am. And for me to, to come into this purpose is to know why i'm here why what god's purpose is for us as a body why is this just for me and god is this just for a few people or is this for a body how has it worked out and that that is all things that he speaks by his word he speaks out those spiritual truths with spiritual words and we hear it by the spirit we receive it and we come now, and our mind is renewed because the earthly mind, the human mind, cannot conceive of these things. They're revealed by the Spirit. And then we suddenly, our eyes are open to the reality that's always been there, but we've been blinded to. And now we come into the very purpose of why we're here. So that it's all about a preparation. And to say that... that. Um, we we don't desire spiritual gifts is to say, well, God, we're going to do it our way. Yeah. But the spiritual gifts are th- gifts given by the Spirit so that the church may be built, so that the church may be prepared. It's a preparation work. So our time on earth is a time where we're being prepared to be the bride. So everything comes into focus into this eternal plan—it's not just a glib out there. That's what we need to seek revelation on, because everything comes into line and comes into understanding in in that overarching purpose of God.
0: Oh, this, is, to me, is, is really, interesting. Uh, Sandra. I think it's fantastic what what you're saying. You know, it says um, that that these gifts. Uh, this is in Ephesians, and he talks about. Gifts being given. He talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, but really it's all the gifts as well, the gifts that we're talking about tonight. And he says this, um, "'For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ.'" Is interesting to me that he says he's given these gifts until a time that the church attains to the fullness of Christ. Now, if you just like imagine in your mind and think about the church globally around the world, have we come to the full measure of stature that's found in Christ? Are we representing him well on the earth does the church as a whole look like its head like christ it's not a rhetorical question you can no you know and so paul says that the gifts are given until that time that the church looks like that right so maybe the gifts are for today and maybe the gifts are important and maybe we do actually need to grow in this area why not for the sake of our individual ministry, but for the sake that he talks about in here, which is the full measure of stature, which is found in Christ. Hey? and so these. Oh, so I'm saying, So what we're saying is that actually, yes, it says pursue love, but earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Is not love is important, but gifts are not. And saying love is the ultimate thing And gifts are absolutely essential For the equipping For the edification For the building up of the church Until the time comes When we are mature in him And reflect him um, to, um, to the world And are prepared for his, for his coming So,
2: It's possible mate yeah, it See it, so it comes back to an identity issue Again do we know who we actually are Everything comes back to Identity who shapes your identity? The father, and so, um, just as a side note, it's it's actually really hard to understand some of the things that are being said if you don't actually have the revelation, because everything we've been speaking here for, you know, since two thousand and eight is speaking into a picture, and if you can't see the picture, it's very hard to understand what you're hearing because you don't have a connection between the picture and what's being spoken. And so sometimes you may have another picture. And so now you're trying to understand what's being spoken in alignment to your picture, but the word doesn't fit your picture. You actually have to get a brand new picture in connection to what's being spoken. That's why you need a new wineskin to understand what's being spoken because an unrenewed mind will never grasp revelation until it's renewed. But we try, and that's why it can be confusing. Like, How come this doesn't fit? Because you need a new picture of the finish line, because the picture of your finish line determines how you will walk out this earth. Abraham's picture was a city being built, which is the bride of Christ, and his life was defined by that on earth and how he walked. That's why he was a father of faith, because he could see into the future receive it and his life was defined by it so to not have sight of the end is to walk blind or to only walk half in connection to the picture so if your picture is reaching lost people we're talking about the bride there's a disconnect between lost people and the bride if it's about prophecy and we're talking about the bride there's a disconnect so don't try and fit in this revelation to the bride into your current or what you're hearing, you actually have to hear it differently than you've ever heard it and get a revelation of what's being spoken. And how, do
0: and if, the, how do you know you're just... Oh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that in a, in a minute, but I was just going to say if, we, um, if, um, if what, we, what Greg is sharing, if in our minds we don't feel like we have that revelation, can I just say that you're in the most perfect environment to receive that revelation, so don't hear it as you've missed it. You're not, you know, you're you're not getting it. You're you're dumb. It is, it is absolutely the total, complete opposite of that. It's that actually the whole purpose of these nights are training and equipping. The purpose of Sunday mornings and every time we gather is so that we can um, enter into a greater dimension of revelation and knowledge of Him through. Becoming and being part of family. So this is, this is what it's all about. Um, cool, all right. Shall we move on to the next, next verse? Verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no, one underst- uh, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. Three big word, same. Eh? So it says this, but but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. What does it mean for the church to be edified? H- have you heard that word before? Edification. It's a bit of a I don't know old school Christianese type like word, but um, I'd be keen to, to dialogue about what what does it mean? Um, for the church to be edified. Final copy. The, co- copy, the final copy. The, the Possibly.
3: Mm. Edification um, is being built. A house being built. Which I think um, completely fits what we're talking about. <laughs> the 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 bride is also called a house. So the body called a, as a body, it's a house they're the same pictures, different pictures describing the same thing. So edification is building it's the actual process of building a house and um, that that's what I think is so it sticks out, we've only read three verses but um, that word edification comes up in verses 3, 5 12 and 26 in this um, it, it's all um the, the whole um, context of it is that, that we would be seeking those things that are building, that are building her. And um, that, that's why the emphasis on prophecy rather than on tongues um, is that prophecy is edifying the church. Prophecy is, is causing a preparation um, for, for her, for the body. Totally,
0: and I think the word literally means to build. Hey, and in, uh, when I was just looking at this, it says um, it, the, the word literally means to build, um, but in the context, it actually means constructive criticism. Interesting, eh? Like it, it feels like in this modern age that you know we shouldn't have any criticism, right? Let, not even constructive criticism. It's almost a bit. Taboo that, maybe, or maybe if you're, you know, maybe if you're at um, university or you're at school, there might be some constructive criticism. But in the body of Christ, when you know, what about you know your own personal space and your own, um, you know, it, it seems like constructive criticism is almost does it seem a bit a bit harsh or a bit, um, um, yeah, hard to um hard to reconcile. So. So, yeah, we've got edification, exhortation, and consolation. What about exhortation? Did you look that one up, Sandra?
3: No, I got stuck on this one. Can I stay? Yeah. Sorry, just a bit. So, um, <clears throat> prophecy uses words, right? And so does God for everything. Because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Father. Um, have a listen to this, this scripture in um, Acts twenty thirty two. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. It's that same word. And to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Isn't that powerful? Yeah.
2: What was the scripture, Sandra? Acts 20 uh, 32 What what I love about this is there's an expectation the church will prophesy every one of us so somehow we go oh I'm not a prophet it's not saying that it's saying there's an expectation that we will all prophesy um there's a fivefold gift of a prophet, but the church are called to be prophetic people because the church is called to know the word of God through revelation. And we're called to speak that word, which is prophecy. So once again, we have to define what prophecy is. And so often I think we think prophecy is, is a prophet coming in and going, "Ah, oh, Greg, I see you in five years' time going to Cambodia to establish a ministry. Now, that's a form of Prophecy. It's true, it's a form of prophecy. But prophesying or just speaking what God tells us to speak, if you want to simplify it down to that, that's what it really is. God giving you his revelation of his own word for you and then you sharing that with someone else in a discipleship environment like this or in a prayer meeting or on a Wednesday night you are prophesying because you are speaking what is unseen to others but seen to you because the Spirit has revealed it. So we are all called to be ready in and out of season, always prepared to bring a piece of the pizza to the party. And that's what happened to Rodney. We were in Cambodia. Are you ready, bro? I think you might need to speak. Hey. Well, has Rodney got prophecy? Has he got the Word of God stored up in him, ready to release and in alignment to what the Holy Spirit is saying? So there's an expectation that we are a people who prophesy, which can be, Terry, I see you going back home and you're going to establish X, Y, and Z. I'm not saying that. I'm just (laughs) using that as an example. It can also be, have you seen the eternal promises for the church that are, prophetic because the entire book is prophetic and if there's one area the church has thrown out because it doesn't understand it it's prophecy because that doesn't fit into our head no it's never designed to it's got to come into your spirit through revelation and so it's an area that almost can be a bit like "Ooh, don't go near that thing I don't understand that well no we have to enter into and all it is is hearing through revelation, what he says, and then speaking and declaring it. And there's two types of prophetic words. There's one that builds and there's one that blesses. So as people, we are to bring building words and words that bless. Too often than not, the church only knows the blessing ministry rather than the building ministry, because a word that builds cuts. A world that blesses, that's lovely, feel good factor. How are we going to do this? What's this going to happen? Both are right, and both are in God. But a building word is far more impacting than a blessing word because a building word is about transformation, edification, Yeah, for the building up of the body of Christ. So be encouraged. You're actually all called to prophesy and so that scares you get over that because <laughs> you're missing out on something you were created for and you have to embrace your identity and go well I've got to grow because this is an expectation God has that I am going to prophesy I am going to know a living word I can be used by God I will be part of the building of the body of Christ through the empowerment of the Spirit I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and watch it all happen
0: and if you' if you know if you know um, Jesus to a measure if you've had true revelation knowledge of who he is then you can prophesy and i 'm not just talking about standing on a platform and spouting some words because it says it's the testimony of Jesus that 's the spirit of prophecy so if you have true living real knowledge um, um, of Jesus then you can speak in a way that Brings that revelation knowledge to light um, and to and to life. That that's what prophecy is. It's um, but if you only have if you only have words, if you only if you intellectually understand the words of Christ, you can stand up on a platform and give someone a even a word of knowledge, and yet it not be prophecy because it hasn't genuinely come from the testimony of Jesus, a um, a living word that's changed you that you then speak. You know. And so then prophecy can be all the time, every day in all of our relationships as we're just dialoguing with your wife or husband or discipleship group or over coffee, it's the, the prophetic word can be being ministered in, in so many different um, formats and in so many different ways.
2: Can, can I just add to that just this, the, the macroness of this? Because testimony isn't just what he's doing in me. Testimony is what he has done. So he said, it's all finished. Yeah? So before the foundation of the world, everything was finished. We as a people are to be prophesying everything that's finished. Because it's the testimony of what Jesus has accomplished. So the more you know Jesus, the more you can prophesy of everything that's finished. But you need faith to be able to see what's finished, which means you need to be able to hear what is being declared through the living scriptures. Otherwise, you can't prophesy into what already is. So the spirit of prophecy being the testimony of Jesus is what everything Jesus has accomplished. So that's eternal promises that are future now and promises now now. This is who we are to be. This is how big this is. Every one of us is to prophesy. Every one of us is to be growing. Every one of us is to know the end from the beginning and the middle. Why? Because he said you can. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit, to know everything that's contained in Christ so we can declare it into the earth. I've said this before, but we are to be voices crying out in the wilderness. We're all called to be John the Baptists. Yeah, well, if you can hear... If you can hear what I just said, that would build strength through revelation, wouldn't it? Knowing that this is who you're called to be. That's an honor, isn't it? Isn't that an honor to think that God is entrusting you to represent him on this earth with his word and to represent him well? I mean, that, that, why would I be worrying about who I'm not? Why don't I discover about who I am? That's the problem, isn't it? Some of us know more of who we're not rather than who we are. And then we tell ourselves what we're not instead of telling ourselves who he says we are. Even that's prophecy. Do you believe who he says you are? Receive a prophetic revelation of who you are into you, accept it, be fully convinced of it, and then live it out.
0: And it's that kind of knowledge. If you see yourself in that way and seeing what he he has done... That um, and the revelation of that um, renews your mind to who you were always called to be before the foundations of the world. Then you start to see others differently, and all of a sudden, you know, as we t- we look at the gifts, or even just as we're in relationship with one another you've got a brand new view of others that comes through the gospel as opposed to through your own frustration, your own, you know, however it is that you see people around you, it it brings a completely new perspective um, to to the value and potential in others that if they were to see themselves through Revelation, they would be totally, totally different. Yeah.
2: And I think the warning in here, just sense the Spirit prompting this, because I, I wrote this ages ago, is do we value the Father's gift more than we value the Father himself? Never lose sight of him. Because the challenge is, once you start getting awakened to who you're called to be and what's available, your eyes go off him and onto the gift. Now all of a sudden it's like the gifts, the gifts. I want to prophesy. Greg said I could know all things and prophesy. And now you've just taken your eyes firmly off him and planted it on the gift. And that's the quickest way to get entangled in yourself. And yet it was from him. So make sure you keep your eyes on him and let him reveal the gift and how to. Your eyes should never drop onto the creation or the gifts that the creation... Keep your eyes on the Father.
0: Um, So we've got here, but the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. And edification, like Sandra says, is a a building word, and so is exhortation. Um, You know, it it means um, it means to urge, to get up in someone's grill, close and personal. And actually have a face-to-face conversation, which is interesting, eh? Um, I, I thought, because in, when I when I read this, and the reason why we're looking at this through the lens of the body, and why it's important that we are in community of one another, is that you can't you can't exhort or be exhorted through watching YouTube. Why? Because you can you can hear something and you can say yes or no. No one's holding you to account for what's in you or what's coming out of you, good or bad. You know, but Paul says that prophecy actually isn't. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. You can learn you can learn through watching YouTube, but there's a fullness that comes when you're in and You're walking with brothers and sisters who actually have the opportunity to speak into your life to exhort you and to say hey i see what's in you i see the value and potential that's in you but i also see this thing that seems to be coming that seems to be coming out of you there's something greater for you than to live in in that way so exhortation like just like um just like edification is a is a building word it's a confronting word but it's a word that actually um it takes you from where you are and, and it produces in you, the um, if, if you allow it, um, the, how do I say, it gives you an opportunity to receive a living word that will change you in a way that a blessing word might not. Um, so we've got edification, exhortation, and consolation. And consolation is is the softer of those three words. Consolation is is encouragement. You know, I just think of um, you know, scripture. It says that the Holy Spirit um will and I think it's in Hosea will take her out into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Um, and so sometimes the Word of God is tender and it's soft and it's gentle and it ministers this side of love as well. So we've got to take the whole of of what it is that prophecy is and what it is that. Or who it is that God is, um, as opposed to just just one of those those aspects. So what it says it's building, but it's also blessing. It can be firm, but it also can be gentle. But ultimately, for the same end goal, which is that the church would become mature. Hey? so should we move on to verse to verse four, um, or should we have a couple of questions? Does anyone have any any questions? Um, any questions so far? How big of-
2: In relation to what we said, Warren, okay, so the questions are in relation to what we've discussed. We can discuss that afterwards. Sure, but in relation to the verses here, which is connected, but if we know who we are, there is no problem. But yeah, just in relation to the the gifts. Specifically
0: the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the content that we've been looking at tonight.
4: if we're still in process for something um how, how do we know when it's uh, appropriate to to share versus i guess hold back until maybe we're further along in the process uh in terms of uh you know edification great question
2: mm. I mean ultimately he has to tell you, so this is the trick again that the, you know like he has to say now is the time to share that because he's the one that sees all things and knows all things um, and so that would be the answer I'd give you it's like through and you know it depends on what it is as well you know what I mean if 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 it's. Something like I said to you, hey, Terry, I sense that God speaks to me about you going overseas. I mean, that's going to change your life. So I have to know that I know that I know that I know I've heard from him. So I need to be able to have that conviction in my spirit. It is like, oh, you know, Terry, I think I sort of heard this from God, but I'm not so sure. You might not want to say that, you know. <laughs> um, there are times, you know, when you would say to people, hey, look, this is what I'm sensing And I just submit this to you I'm not saying it's the word of the Lord But I'm just sensing some things So it's then given in that context So the person knows Okay I can put that On a shelf And just if it comes to fruition It comes to fruition So I think depending on what it is Depends on the level of conviction You need to have Along with firstly hearing his voice Is this something he actually wants you to share Because not all things uh, he wants you to share. You know, it actually might be no. No, I'm just sharing this for you. Um, don't share that now, ever. Maybe.
0: And you know, we're using like that example that that Greg was using is quite a big, bold example. Of what prophecy? One form of what prophecy can look like, but it might it might be just starting with a, prof- a when you, you know a prophetic revelation of. The Holy Spirit brings something to light that's in the scriptures and that that's living and real and it might be bringing that revelation or that prophetic knowledge at a discipleship group or to your wife or to your kids or um, you know there's there's so many expressions of what that can look like and, and once again there's no I don't feel like there's a form like a rule book formula for now you're reading or actually no you're not ready don't say anything until you reach this pinnacle of you know spirituality, and all of a sudden you can start prophesying because that day doesn't really come, you know. Um, but there's a, and I think this is why it's beautiful that it says pursue love, yet yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. And I think to me, if you if you're if you're set on pursuing love and set on knowing Him, then it's just a question to put to Him and saying, Father, if there's an opportunity to bring a prophetic word or to bring um, you know prophetic revelation, um, then just. Um, you know, lead me and guide me and, and give me opportunities to, to bring that, you know?
4: Sure.
0: Um, so you spoke about not focusing on the gifts but instead turning your focus to your creator. How do we set goals in our professional family um, in other realms of our life without losing sight of the creator?
3: I I don't see those things as all separate things. Um, when he has, when when he has our life and our life's laid down, it's like he directs everything. Um, so the the thought of having compartments in my life doesn't make sense really in him, because I don't think he ever operates like that you know I, I think that yeah I think that's us trying to fit him in but um, with with him it's all it always is all I know that sounds very simplistic but that's the reality um, for me
0: and I think um, it's a It's it's a big question, eh? You know, and it's not. um, There's nothing wrong with having goals or having things that we're that we're working towards at all. Um, I think, like like Sandra said, the um, the the big thing is um, um, is actually, you know, is are we inviting God into our lives, or has He become our very life? You know, Um, and having become our life, and um, and and being the very Reason why we wake up and the reason why we breathe in the morning and the, um, the only thing really that we long for and our, that our hearts desire it, it then to me it's it's from that place that he starts to define everything else in our lives and it actually brings new meaning to all of those other things that we might have been pursuing as the ultimate goals in our life to begin with he, he redefines them you know um, and so I, I know for me some of the big things were. That you know, he had spoken to me um, about the way that I was viewing university, um, and um, I, that I had university as a as a real goal in my life and something that I wanted wanted to achieve. And he said, and I felt like over a period of time, he completely redefined my um, desire for that, and actually showed me that's actually that's not what. What life is about? It's about knowing Him, um, and it completely changed not only my perspective on university, but my understanding of actually why I'm why I'm here. It's it's to know Him, and then I, when I finally did go back to university, it was it wasn't it didn't define me. It didn't consume me. It wasn't um, it wasn't the most precious and important thing to me. And it actually set me free from um, it set me free from it, so that I could. Genuinely enjoy it and it was, was great, but it wasn't my everything. So I feel like whatever it is, we go through that process of, um, of letting go of our lives and allowing him to redefine every, every part of it. So, does, that to make, does that make yeah. sense? Mm-hmm.
2: I think the challenge, and, and it's a great question, because I think it's a question that everyone grapples with, um, is that we've all sought for our, first our own kingdom. And then you meet this guy called Jesus who says, seek first my kingdom. But you've already started building your own empire and what it's going to look like. And you're going to have four kids and you're going to have two dogs and you're going to have this job and you're going to have this. And he's going, that's not the life that I gave you life for. That's a human life. You need to discover why I gave you life. And you can only discover why I gave you life and the life that I've come to bring Through knowing me So it's almost like that empire has to all come crumbling down And be completely redefined by him You know he said why do you worry about food and clothing Because you're trying to build your own life But your life is supposed to be hidden in his life And you're supposed to discover the life that he has for you The problem is we're shaped by our parents We're shaped by those around us, culture And so we're lost that's why it says we're lost, and we need to get found. And part of the whole getting found is finding everything that was lost when man fell out of glory. See, so everything got lost, not just our relationship. Everything went astray. And so we start back to front, completely the wrong way around. And he's going, all that mindset is of the demonic. That has to be smashed. Now, come to me and learn from me. Because you may never get married in my plan. You may never be what you thought you were going to be. And you got to somehow get comfortable with that because that's never been about you. It's been about him. And so this is the wrestle because, you know, we are taught in church as well as in the world There is an individual plan for you, set your goals, set your dreams. You should have at least 30 by the time you're 30 and figure it all out. But you're constantly looking for something you never find because it's nothing to be found. You're on a goose chase finding something you'll never find because it's in him. And so like Sam said, you've actually got to go and ask him and say, you know what? Let me lay everything down and you tell me what I can pick up. And he might go, wipe it. Let's start again He might go Those five things there They're okay That 15 Gone And that's the challenge You know But Is it about him or, you, or us And um, I, For me I don't want to miss out on the life The eternal life that he's come Because There's too much at stake You know
3: I, th- I think I can add testimony to that Because The thing is All of those things Are They're the promise of life but they never produce it, so it 's like this hope that disappoints, but here 's the hope that doesn 't disappoint and and, and I, I can testify to that. I can prophesy and testify to that because i 've gone on that journey and until that kind of got smashed and and then found the hope that doesn 't disappoint, and I can now s- see. Like I was on a goose chase Going round and round and round The same thing over and over again And then he he When that, that, all that is laid down Then he redefines it And he, he brings to life something That you've laid down And you really, really have come to the point Where it doesn't matter If it ever comes back or not And then he might give it to you And when he gives it to you It's without all the crap that's stuck to it You know like the Feeling that that you know, am I good enough? Or you know, self doubt and all your identities tied up, and, and all this this garbage that goes on in your head. When it's actually laid down, and he gives it back, it's free. It's awesome. So good.
0: So this and this is a. I just think it's a fantastic question, you know, because it touches on. The, the heartbeat of the gospel, way, eh? You know, and I think people come to Jesus and, uh, you know, well, he, he says that he, uh, there's a parable and they, he gives an opportunity for people to come follow him. And, and it says, one by one, they started to make excuses. First, let me just go and, um, you know, let me just go and tend to my, what is it? Um, he, he's bought a field and he just needs to go and tend to it. Oh, my father's passed away let me just go and um, and bury my father and then I'll come follow you, you know. And so there can be this um, looking for, like Sandra said, looking for life and all these other things or, um, you know, these other things that if I, um, you know, if I just did this or just did that, then I'll go and follow you. And that day, it, it never comes, you know.
2: The, the cool thing is about the question, it's also in this context. So it's not just... Marriage, kids, family It's people Through the context of what we're looking at I got a gift And now I've had a dream about how I'm going to use this gift Look out because I'm going to use it my way So as the guy's been saying Everything has to be surrendered So Isaac had to be given back To God So he wasn't So Abraham The gift wasn't going to define Abraham's life It was a test See, the challenge in in this is that you can make this your thing, my ministry. I've been waiting for the platform for 10 years because no one's recognized me. And now they have. And now you're not getting anywhere near it because it's mine. I've been waiting to lead the guitar and lead and don't touch it. Otherwise, I'll manifest. You see, what you get set free of is you. Because you're still entangled in the gift and your identity, your purpose, your sense of accomplishment, everything you're looking for is defined by the gift and how the gift is used. You are dangerous to God and the body of Christ because you will serve yourself with it, not him and not people. So there is no edification, even though you can lay your life down and serve because you haven't, like I said this morning, you actually haven't left you. You haven't left you, you haven't left your heart, you haven't left your mind, you are still very much in the control of your life and you're going to tell God how these gifts are going to work. So there is no building up of the body, there's just a false version of life that you live from and you're entangled in yourself, which is sad, you know. So don't just think it's in that stuff, it's even worse here, Um And I say that's one thing. And I love what this guy said two weeks ago when he said, you know, one Corinthians thirteen, one to three? About you can speak in tongues, you can lay this down. Sam said he's obviously not talking to the lost because all Christians have let go of all that stuff, living for themselves and all that. He's talking to the church. I love that, mate. That was so like wow Which brings into light who's actually the Bible talking to. Us, not them, us.
0: So thank you for the great question. <laughs> All right, one last question um, from Terry, and then we'll
4: and then we'll keep going. I think it's okay to change it a bit, but I, I thought I'd share an example around that question. Um, so I was asked to set some professional goals at work, and the ones I chose, um, through seeking God, were around. Um, being a servant leader, um, creating opportunities for our organization, creating opportunities for other people yes. and and as you were saying sandra it 's very easy for us to compartmentalize our goals for our career and our goals for our spiritual life uh, but in in thinking through my goals, God said that actually there 's no difference, and I was a little bit nervous because I thought, in a professional context, what are people going to think about me? Using these words because they're quite churchy terms um, but but I was really encouraged it was it was accepted it was it was um, in, in fact I you know I was complimented about it so um, just encourage you you know in in setting your goals that um, seek god and and I think in placing your focus on serving others um, that for me anyway uh, in my example was a, a really good way of doing it rather than goals and ambitions to further myself but yeah. yeah. that was all right
1: serving one another in love
0: yeah i feel like that's a fantastic example of like number 1 love number 2 function eh? you know and that what you're describing is actually i i, I can you know just it baffles the world when you're not in there for your own personal gain, but you're in there to serve um, and to love. So it's uh, a fantastic example. All right, cool. Uh, let's, let's move on um, to, to verse 4. Um, one who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. So Paul was talking about tongues and prophecy, and he says it's awesome if you speak in tongues. In other places, he says, "I wish that I speak in tongues more than anyone, and it's it's fantastic." But he says, "I would rather that you would prophesy." so that the church would e- would be edified. So why um, why is it that Paul says that prophecy is, is more important than, than speaking in tongues?
1: Um, basically with what Paul was saying, when you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. And I think there's part in the scripture which says that the Holy Spirit um, helps us in our weaknesses and needs. And, and, and because he knows the mind of God and the heart of God and he is fully aware of where we are at the Holy Spirit is able to pray on our behalf and, 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 and pray according to the will of God and in that way um, he edifies, he helps us, he encourages and builds us up but um, why is prophecy more important? Because the prophecy, prophecy builds the church. You know, when edify it comes from the word edifice, it's building. And so the, it, God could do spirit to spirit transfer, but I think that it's not that way. It has to be through the agency of words. And so when you sometimes, in my case, you can hear the Lord speaking to you in your spirit, but it, it feels very different and very special when you hear the same words spoken by someone else to you. And, and so that's how I think, I uh, feel that the Holy Spirit enables us to prophesy. It is to encourage, bring encouragement, bring uh, edification, and bring um, exhortation to others. Looking at all these things that Paul has written, um, I can't help but sense that this is all the work of the Spirit. You know, edification, consolation, comforting is the Spirit's work. And and you cannot separate the gifts from the spirit. Um, you can never separate it without the spirit. You know, you could be working in a gift, but that's not that's not them. So the spirit has to work, and you you just become a mouthpiece for the spirit. Can there be an, an anointing associated with gifts? Um, there is um, what you call that a difference between an anointing and I think. A, 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 um, anointing will cost everything. It will cost you everything. It, it's it's um, um, there are gifts that are given, and God can take you know, and God cannot take them away. But anointing is different because when you, anointing will cost you um, everything that you have, and it's it's special.
2: You can't lose your gift, but you can use your intimacy, lose your intimacy. So you can still perform with a gift, and God's left you. That's what's so dangerous. And that's how people can continue to minister in gifting, and behind the scenes, things are going on. Now, their lives aren't reflective of Christ. You know They've got issues and stuff, but they can still minister because you can lose the intimacy, but you can't lose the gift.
0: My granddad continued to minister as a Christian preacher and pastor for a number of years once he had already denied his faith, which to me is outrageous, you know, because he that was his paid profession, and and so there were certain things that he could preach and certain things that he couldn't, but he continued as a minister of the gospel, but yet having lost the heartbeat of the gospel years before he stopped ministering, you know, and so... That's an extreme example of, of what that can look like, but generally it's not like that. Generally, it's just that you go on and you're co- so consumed in doing things that you've. It says in, in Revelation that about people who that um, you know, they've just they've lost their first love, you know. And I think that's as much, you know, that's a sign of the times that we that we live in. There's this sense of like we heard this morning of constantly doing, even doing good things for God. But actually, without the um, the, um, the the knowledge of God within us, that giving us the, the life and the power to um, to know Him and love Him, minister, you know, from from that place. So.
2: Can I ask a question of the panel? <laughs> um, one of the common questions I get asked is in relation to tongues, and you know, if you read this particular passage, it says, "I wish you all spoke in tongues." And then you look at some of the other areas and it says that tongues is a gift. So he gives some gifts, some less. I'd like to ask you guys, what, what's your conviction or belief on can we all speak in tongues? Or is it a gift that where some people speak in tongues?
0: I've got a personal opinion. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know that that would... Um, that would necess- i don't know if this is necessarily um, divine, but but my view is that you know it says, Paul says, "I wish that you would that you would all speak in tongues." And I personally believe that there's there is an opportunity for for everyone to enter into that. But whether you speak in tongues or not doesn't necessarily have a bearing on what the quality of your um, relationship or your Intimate connection is with the Father. That, that's that's my personal opinion.
2: Um, it's interesting that tongue, um, speaking in at Pentecost wasn't with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. No, not fully, mate, because they were speaking their own language. So at Pentecost, they pe- people that were speaking were speaking a natural language of the people that were in the area. That's why they were so captivated. They weren't speaking that tongue. They were actually talking in a natural language—English, Afrikaans, whatever the natural language is. What do you think?
0: We'll come back. We'll come back to that one. We'll come back to that one. Noel, did you have any pearls of this?
1: I think when when Jesus came, He restored everything that was lost from the fall, and that includes the gift of tongues, spirit, uh, the ability to speak in the spirit. The, when when people speak in tongues, they they say syllables and stuff, but that's just the physical words, the physical body's reaction to something that is truly spiritual. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you know you have to have words uttered out of you when you are speaking in the spirit. Because the spirit is always in communication with the father and, and and so that can come out, and that cannot, but I think with in the case of Paul, my personal opinion is everyone is able to speak in tongues, and that's why he doesn't distinguish it from you know from prophecy, but not everyone can prophesy because prophecy is a a grace, you know. It. I don't want to use ability, but it's a grace to be able to hear, to be able to see, to be able to understand, and to be able to impart the heart of God and what God is saying into him. And that is a grace that God gives to, which to to his kids, and he wants to give it. But you know, um, we have to desire it. Is it something that you give something that it 's spiritual, and nothing of the flesh can can actually work you know in in the physical we we try to reflect things, and you know we we, we try to practice things and we try to have experience, but none of the spiritual applies to anything of the flesh no not, you, you cannot learn prophecy, you cannot practice prophecy you cannot it 's a gift and, and, and it 's a work entirely the work of the spirit. That's you, can,
0: you, can you can grow, you can, I'd say you can grow in it, eh, but, you, but you can't learn it like the way that you go to university and, and, and learn it. So.
3: I, I love the things that um, he goes on in verse 7 and 8, and he's talking about these musical instruments that um, they produce a sound, but if they don't have distinction between the sounds, you don't know what's being played. And um, so he says, the flute and the harp. If the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? And I thought that was really interesting in the context of prophecy that's edifying the church because it's a preparation. So so all, all of these things bringing it back to pursue love, this eternal purpose, what is our purpose, and what? Why would we be earnestly desiring to um, to participate in, receive, and actually flow in this um, edify the body, edifying itself and building itself up in love, which it talks about in Ephesians through the spiritual um, gifts? It's going to be a very distinct sound, and and. God speaks with a very distinct sound. It's of the Spirit, and it's going to come with that sound that produces the life of the Word in it. Everything that God says has the power within it to produce itself. It's like a seed that produces the very life that it's sent with within the the person and the body. And, and that's why this distinctness of this, the word of the spirit, it's not just any word that I think that sounds a nice thing to say, and I'm not saying there's not a place to encourage one another just with encouraging words as you would, but to hear and to be, um, to be releasing words of life because we... We are receiving words of life. That, that's our life source now, is his word. We're living by every word. And so our out of us produces life. And we've got a choice to, out of the tongue, produce words of life and to produce words of death. And now we are carriers of these words of life that come straight from the throne room. And, and I just love that. That's all part of this preparation, preparation for battle, preparation for us to be built, to be strong, to be mature, to to actually grow into this full stature of Christ.
2: That words overcome.
0: Yeah, yeah, cool. and it says here, coming back to Roy, what what you're asking before, um, even greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets. So, what's the role of interpreting? Um, what what's the role here of interpretation of tongues and why is it important that there's you know that there's an interpretation?
2: So you can relate to it. Mm-hmm. Correct. <laughs> so you understand what's being said. That's why in other scriptures he talks about, you know, if people enter into your your home, your family and you're all going baba they're going, well, bunch of nutters. You know, it's like so everyone can be edified by what is spoken in a clear language that everyone understands. So if we're going to uh, speak in tongues in an open forum, um, you either need to interpret your own tongue or someone else interprets the tongue so everyone can understand and be edified and built up.
0: And I I think... um, Just one second. I think um, in my mind, you know, it says... um, um, the, the one who speaks in tongues, uh, um, unless he interprets, so that the church might be edified. And I think that you know there can there can be some you know people that the language is so highly spiritual that you don't actually understand what it is that they're talking about. You know, <laughs> and um, and I think once again this is speaking in tongues, but it can also just be in in day to day conversation. You know that we don't need to over spiritualize things if, if they don't need to be you know like I don't do that at, I don't do that at work um and 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 so like I think there's a there's a role there for being able to communicate with one another things that are actually real and spirituality isn't wishy-washy or high and lofty it's actually full of life and full of substance and I think people like people like Paul had a real art to be able to speak words that were, um, what does he say, um, speaking spiritual words, but, but a spiritual word is not a, a word that is so out there that, that it can't be understood. Uh, uh, hear what I'm saying. It has to be received in the spirit, but it doesn't have to be unnecessarily over-spiritual, you know? And so I think the, uh, for, for me this morning was a classic example what we heard from Greg that these are massive, inc- enormous, eternal promises that, that we were hearing yet that there was such clarity and the ability to actually um, articulate what it is that God's doing in an earthly language, a substance that's heavenly is, is a real is a real art and it's something for us all to also grow in hey? So cool alright well it's 651 um, do we, does anyone else have anything that they want to, to pick up on before we move into to discussion were there any last minute questions
2: I would just encourage you if you don't speak in tongues to seek the Lord on that because it's awesome uh, just you know in your own time just to allow your spirit to speak, your spirit never sleeps, okay, so you are a spirit, his spirit lives within you, and so allow uh, and ask him to help you develop this tongue which edifies your own spirit. You can go from having a really bad day to having a good day within seconds by just actually allowing your the spirit in you to edify yourself. So I encourage you, if you don't get speaking tongues, go after it in him.
3: And to add to that, um, sing in the spirit. You know um to me to me that that 's my go go to um instantly and, and it's just all it is is an expression like I love the way you said that noel because because that 's just oozing out it's rivers of living water you know and and all it is is an expression of the rivers of living water and um it and and there's a sense of intimacy because you you hear him and 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 you I don't know it's very hard to describe it there's senses of, of him just um, waves of life and and words that he he brings into your mind as you as you as you're engaging with him in those ways so um, it's really precious it's awesome um,
1: just got one thing. Uh, um, the-
0: Cool. Oh, Alright, let's um let's do say it's um maybe twenty twenty solid minutes of um of discussion and then we'll we'll call it a night. Oh, don't even have a question. Um The question Oh they've got a question. Oh sorry. Thanks, Rochelle, onto it. All right, cheers guys.